Or I could just start with the she's passionate line. Hi, I'm Rusty. <laughs> Everybody, welcome back to the after show combo. We're going to pick up where we left off with Peter and Christine. She's passionate about helping empower others to shift their perspective so that they can embrace a more expansive way of living. Streaming from Retro Earth Studio and brought to you by WeAreHistorically.com Conscious Brand Apparel and Learn to play jazz piano like a pro by a pro with Jazz Piano Pro Essentials at JazzPianoPro.com Let's meet Christine. I guess I'm kind of curious in your perspective of this great awakening, as it's been called, you know, how do you feel quote unquote normies are going to handle a lot of these things when they get revealed? I, like that's one of the reasons why I feel like the call to activation has been so strong for a lot of healers, because I feel if there's a wave coming, you know, of just people that are going to be very lost. Yeah. You know, I think that one of the reasons why some of us have awakened earlier, you know, I, I know that there've been some people who've been awakened to some of these truths for a very long time, but I think that there's like this, this, this wave of healers, as you say, who've awakened to aspects of this and it, and it gets really, really dark from what I understand and, and my deep sense of knowingness. Mm. We've had to process our reactions to it in advance of it becoming more obvious and, and clearer. And I, it's hard to know when and, and how some of these things are going to be, you know, illuminated for the masses. Um, but it feels like sooner rather than later in the next couple of years, at least for some of these. And yeah. um, I, I'm at a loss because I don't understand how to deal with cognitive dissonance. I've been <laughs> so frustrated having all sorts of scientific knowledge and putting it in front of people and, and having them say, Oh yeah. And then like, but it doesn't sink in or that can't be true, you know, because I believe in science or something like that. And it's like, wait a minute, you know, you, it, it's like there's such attachment to beliefs that they're not willing to even consider the possibility that they're not true. Mm. And when they see some of the horrific stuff that's, that, that may unfold, um, I don't know what's going to happen to them, Peter. I, I know that we're here to support them. And I know that there's going to be a lot of loss um, and there's going to be some, probably some rude awakenings that are so, they're so huge that it's probably going to be like a slap in the face to get people out of the trance. Um, but I think that there are going to be people who have such issues that they won't be able to process it. They won't be able to function. I, I think that there are going to be a lot of people who on a soul level are, are going to be choosing to exit partly because they can't handle mm. it, but partly because they're, they're going to be playing the role of, of creating this new world of, you know, of new beliefs of, of greater unity. Um, and that they, and, and the losses are going to be huge for people. And, you know, yeah. So it's, it's hard to know. And I, you know, I, I really can't predict. And yet I have this deep sense that this great awakening is coming with some really dark truth. Yeah. That resonates with me. I feel that. And it's, it's, you know, it's sad, but it, again, 
got to bring it back to the knowings where it's just everything is grace. It's going to provide a learning opportunity and opportunity to really take a step forward as a people. And I guess that's kind of my hopium <laughs> to pitch to the listeners is, you know, don't lose hope in the sense of everyone has their own path. And I think that's probably the biggest thing is the embracing, the acceptance, the surrender, the letting go, whatever you want to identify it as. But that willingness just to allow life to play its part and you just to dance through it. And, and it's rough. I, yeah. And I, and I think that's a very powerful thing, Peter, that it's this, that, that allowing um, puts us in alignment with what is, which is the launching point. We, we could only get there from here on an energetic level. And I, I talk about this in um, my course called the vibration of change which is up on the it's up on the Academy of Divine Knowledge right now, but I've taught it in person as well, in day-long workshops. It's this moment, this, this energetic connection to what is, is the launching point of everything. And the only way we can get there, wherever the there is we want to go, is from here. And energetically, we tend to be over here. So, um, you know, it, if we can align with, with what is, including the horrific truths that we may get exposed to, the control, the manipulation, whatever it is, um, then that is a very potent co-creative spot to come from. So the, the hope for me comes with being in that alignment with that truth that's existed on many levels for, you know, hundreds of years, you know, I don't know how many, how many centuries, thousands of years, um, but it's coming into alignment with that on an energetic level means accepting the truth. And that is a very powerful uh, launching point. Ooh, I love that. And it, I guess that's the one thing is what are the biggest resistance points that you see for people in that acceptance of truth and, you know, from your own healing experiences? Oh gosh. I think that on a psycho spiritual level, it feels like most people are stuck about age six or seven developmentally, like yeah. wanting to please authorities, wanting to be good, good little girls and boys, um, wanting to buy into what the authority figures are telling them because they're having to play the game, you know, of school or whatever, you know, family life, whatever it is. Um, so the question is, how do we individuate? Because that's really what this is about. I know that we're going towards oneness, but an essential part of the process of coming to oneness is to individuate on a psycho-spiritual level. And I think that um, part of it is going to be getting exposed to the truth that the authority figures have been lying about various <laughs> things, have been controlling us in a variety of ways. Um, and part of it's just going to be like on a soul level, people's inner yearning, like, you know, okay, so I've gotten the, you know what, and I'm feeling off or I've, you know, I've tried to be a good citizen and stay in my home and, you know, cover my face and I'm feeling more disconnected than ever. That, that inner imbalance that creates that, that proverbial carrot to, to bring us forward into deeper connection with soul, which of course is also a deeper connection to truth, may lead people out of, out of that stage of being stuck in, in wanting to please the authority figures and wanting to believe the authority figures into this individuation mm. of, of truth, of personal truth, of soul truth, of universal truth. 
I love that. I love that. And it comes back to that breaking of the trance, you know, breaking up this programming. And, you know, I, I like to always akin it to, we have to squeeze out the sponge of our conditionings. You know, uh-huh. when, we're children, when we're children, we soak it all up indiscriminately, you know, and that's almost going to be forced upon a lot of people <laughs> the way I see it, where it's like, it's going to get squeezed and rang out real quick. And that can be pretty traumatizing, but it's beautiful in the sense of embracing the what is to use it as that point to catapult yourself forward. I, I really like that. And it comes back to that vibration of change. In your experience of it, how does one change? You know, if they see all these things happening, they're still kind of hesitant in the search. I know there's a willingness component, but how does life tend to support you once you do commit to this vibration of change? Like, what are some things to look for? What are things you can feel out? Well, I think that, first of all, to get into it, you need to, um, you know, not be resisting, uh, not be trying to control your own direction, the control the direction of the world. Boy, it's tempting at times, you know, because we know what we want, right? But um, <laughs> when, when you're in alignment with now, have some ease around it, even if it means you're in the middle of grieving, you know, the loss of a relationship or you're grieving the, you know, the fact that your belief system was merely an illusion or you're, you're grieving because you've chosen to leave a job because it's not in alignment with who you are, you know, whatever it is, um, whether you're focused on the moment of something pleasant or focused on the moment of something that you need to process that's really feels awful. Um, that focusing on the moment, it means that you're in alignment with the launching point, right? Um, and being in that vibration of change, is kind of like, you, you know it when you feel it, you're just, it, there's this, there's this release, this surrender, this physical ease. It's a difference between like having tightness in your solar plexus and feeling sort of a tingly, you know, relaxed ease, which you can feel even if you're exercising, you know, like if you're, if you're moving up that hiking up that trail and it, it feels tough. And then finally you're in that flow and you feel this connection, you know, you can be at ease. It's, it's that, it, it's like this, I think of it as a vibrational ease that mm. connects us to the here and now. And that really is the, the, the place of change. That's the place where you're greasing the wheels of positive change. I love that. So in terms of the uh, the Academy of Divine Knowledge, how else are you greasing people's spiritual wheels? <laughs> well, you know, I have, have weekly conversations on my radio show um, on Fridays. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to wake people up within the community one-on-one. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I belong to certain groups, um, including on Telegram. It's a, a great place to go if you want to, it's kind of like social media without the um, without the censorship, uh, and I'm still trying to find my way. I, I feel like I spent a good deal of this past year processing my own stuff, like going to that next deep level mm-hmm. of releasing more unworthiness stuff, releasing grief, re- releasing you know coming to this place of kind of embracing the confusion and the not knowing. Um, it's uh, yeah, it, it's 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 this complex but very simple process. You know, the, the simple aspect of it is um, coming into the now. Mm. Mm. 
And it gets complex because it touches so many different aspects of our belief systems, our, how we function throughout the day, and, and our 3D reality, that, what we're choosing. 100%. 100%. I love that, though, where it comes back to the riding the wave that life is presenting you and not choosing to resist it. You know, and I think that the resistance component is always a very interesting one because, you know, early on in my search, I learned and, you know, thankfully I had some nice trusted people I could listen to, but it was this don't resist the resistance, dive into it, you know, and that's (laughs) where we can just jump into the unknown and that's where we really enter the realm of discovery. Mm -hmm. So it's fascinating that, you know, it's always really validating again, touching with other people that are tapped into these concepts where it's like, okay, you're not alone. You know, and I think that's always a big thing to reassure everyone is that you're not alone. Like the the outsider, you know, that experience of being on the outskirts of, you know, society's perception, you're never alone. There's other people that are taking this objective stance too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when we can all really dive into this and embrace the chaos, as you put it, you know, yeah. we could really enter into some profound discovery and just things that we didn't think would be liberated or gone things that I mean, I think the one thing about this year that's really pushed is that it's brought up a lot of things to the forefront. It's really kind of jostled the bottle and things have just popped where it's like, Oh, I don't know if that would have without this type of tension and resistance. So like, Oh, again, thank you. Everything yeah. is grace. Yeah. <laughs> so in your own experience, Coming back to this kind of awakening to your powers as a healer, I'm very curious because you you talked on your student on the table or your client on the table. When did you get into like Reiki healing and really using the energy of your own beingness to, to well, heal? I I've never done Reiki. Um, I um, I dabbled in a variety of things until I found my way to reconnective healing back in 2003. Oh, I guess it was. Okay. And it's funny because. Um, when I read Eric Pearl's book, I got this head to toe shiver that I had to go learn this work. And so oh. I went and I, I learned it and on the first day of training, first full day of training. I felt like I was coming home in a really deep sense and knew that I had to do the work. And, you know, within a, a couple of months, I'd, you know, put up the proverbial shingle, you know, and opened my, opened my own business in healing and then went on to see amazing healings and became a part of the teaching staff and became one of one of three others besides him who taught this internationally. And we have lots of, you know, we had lots of oh. other teaching staff. Um, and so it was, it was like, I, I dabbled in some things and all of a sudden when I was interacting with this energy, this light, it, it felt like home to me. Like it was a reminder, like, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be. And then I knew I was compelled to become a part of the teaching staff. And uh, then ultimately, when the 111 activation came through, which was something that was channeled in, that's a whole other story, probably for another time. Um, <laughs> I, I knew that I was going to have to leave working for the reconnection, even though I had this, it was a fabulous job. I got to teach thousands and got to travel and, and be with these amazing teams and beautiful work. And yet um, the leader, he had a lot of attachment to there not being anything else that's relevant or useful and that you were somehow, if you did something different, you were out of alignment and I knew it not to be true. And so I knew I needed to Mm. leave. And since then, you know, other things have come through, but it's, it's really a matter of um, having a relationship with our energetic being, which it sounds really nebulous, but once you start (laughs) doing this energy work, 
you realize that, okay, this person has prickly energy and I don't know why, or that person has some sticky energy on him whenever he gets angry or, you know, whatever it is, it's like you become more energetically aware. And then it's just the process of what unfolds, what downloads, um, how you shift as you interact with the, the 3D world, but also this quantum realm in this energetic you know, way. Okay, so I guess the next question that my mind goes to is this reconnective healing. What is the real difference between that and Reiki? Because I, I mean, I'm not experiencing yeah. either. So that's why I was like, right. oh, I see hands, Reiki, why not? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it, it's interesting because um, there are certain, like with reconnective healing, it's it's about interacting with this energy, which he calls light information. It's, it's and I could see the light when I worked with it, um, or when I work with it. It's, it's, um, the approach is very, it's, it's hands off, generally speaking, but it's about allowing and exploring and being curious and being in the present moment and, um, seeing how the person's reacting and kind of stretching things out because the further you get away, if you've got that connection, the, the more the person's experience seems to increase. It, it's fascinating. Mm. And with Reiki, it, there are certain patterns, um, yeah. and, in terms of the science, I got to be a subject of all sorts of scientific research at various universities in terms of my healing ability and, and reconnect, evaluating reconnective healing. And they found that when working on damaged DNA, reconnective healing, it speeded up the healing process of damaged DNA. Whereas with Reiki, the healing process was slowed down. Don't know why. Um, hmm. So we know scientifically there's some differences uh, and the approach was different, um, but it's it's the kind of thing where you're working in the light and you know creating this vibration of surrender, of allowing, of like just allowing the light to come through. And it, I think of the difference between some of the energy healing techniques, such as Reiki, it's like you're sort of being a conduit; it comes down through you at your hands. Whereas with reconnective healing, it's about kind of hooking up that person to satellite, so to speak. So you're just kind of making the connection and allowing it to come directly to them instead of through you. And Ooh. so it's less filtered, so to speak, and it's less yeah. draining for the practitioner. That's, that's my take on it. I love it. I love it. I always love new rabbit holes to explore after these things. So <laughs> I guess that's the cool component here where it's, again, you know, you're coming from this scientific community, this scientific upbringing perspective, now applying this very, what sounds like almost the mastering the kind of scientific protocols for people could really experience these deeper, profound spiritual knowings through this practice of your own healing and healing others. So what's kind of the next evolution of the healing of our beingness? Where do you see? Because I know you mentioned light. I know you, you're doing the reconnective healing. I'm just very curious. Well, you know, I, I had done literally thousands of sessions over the years and taught thousands. And when I started going through um, my separation and divorce from somebody I was married to for a very long time, I began to sort of reevaluate. And I, I recognized that although mm -hmm. I still do a few sessions, I didn't want to be doing sessions day in, day out. And I didn't want to be teaching people how to facilitate healing because for me at this point, it's not that that, that doesn't serve a really important purpose. For me, it's yeah. more about empowering people on a, um, a more philosophical and, and like a more energetic level where it's not working with a specific energy. It's about um, 
connecting to this process of what's unfolding. And mm. so for me, my passion more recently has been more about questioning belief systems. It's been about um, kind of doing the deep dives into this rabbit hole of, um, you know, the, the great awakening, the, the, the 3D realm of what the great awakening is helping to illuminate and kind of like writing my own wave. And, and I'm working on a book called The Top 20 Myths About Spirituality. And uh, so, again, that's sort of bucking against belief systems. But I'm here to I'm here to serve, and I it's 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 weird because I sometimes I just don't know exactly what my next step is besides those things. Um, yeah, that's all you need. Just the direction life will provide the road. So yeah. yeah, I think that's the beautiful component here, where it's being able to truly transcend your own understanding through living out the search. And that's very what, so much what it sounds like in terms of this uh, this kind of jarring experience we're all kind of cumulatively going through in this awakening, this unfoldment, this beliefs, honestly shattering for most people, these structures and constructs and paradigms and just how transformative it is for the perspective. It sounds like you're really kind of taking the reins. So it's cool. <laughs> I, I Sometimes I know what I'm doing and other times I don't. And it's really about like, as you're talking about like riding that wave, it's sometimes it's just a matter of staying on the surfboard. <laughs> oh, I understand that. So for yourself and really these next moves with the show, what are some of the next kind of big topics that you seek to really empower people with other than the belief aspect? Well, or how are you going to keep breaking it? it, it it's interesting because so much of what I've done over the last nine years with my show has been conversations about consciousness spirituality, healing, health and well-being, um, as well as some of the science. You know, I always like it when, when you've got that link between science and, and you know, the uh, more esoteric realm. But these days, I seem to be really fascinated by illuminating certain truths, um, mm -hmm. clearly within the medical arena of what's unfolded you know, I, I saw that we were being lied to in a variety of ways, did a, a show on that, got, you know, got taken down off of YouTube. Um, I'm really interested in going down some of those rabbit holes and having conversations about those, because I think that what used to be thought of as just total craziness or conspiracy theories or whatever, um, are actually really interesting rabbit holes to go down. And Right. I'm, I'm sort of thinking that perhaps with my balance between the, the scientific and the, you know, more spiritual, you know, the healing realm is a good place to, to be able to have balance when going down some of these rabbit holes, you know, checking out the rational information, tuning in with what feels right, what feels wrong. Um, and then, you know, just bringing some of that to the world. I love it. And again, you know, it just brings it brings credence to the knowing of the light workers and the the healers are activated full force where it's now time to shine a light into the, all this really just darkness and corruption that's been present for a long time. And I always try to reassure people where it's like, listen, it's not like this stuff is new. It's just the fact that that's just how much mass global support there is now that these things are getting revealed that these veils of illusion are getting dissolved because people are finally ready in their hearts. And, you know, I always just try to remind people that 
again, it sounds so cheesy and I say it so many times where it's like really try to see everything as grace. It had to take something like this for people to really wake up to what, what is it they believe in? What is it they see? And I think that's kind of the, the dance that is life sometimes where we have to be comfortable with that tension. We have to be comfortable with that because it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be utilized for something negative. Like again, think about angst and excitement. Anxiety and excitement are of the same feelings in the gut, just interpreted like in completely differently interpreted. So it's just how we're going to really channel this energy and direct it. And to really put that tension into something where it's, you're going to be illuminating more minds and masses. It's, it's exciting because I just love the way you perceive things. It's really cool to see that scientific background into full on action in this esoteric realm. I love it. And, and I, I think that the challenge for people right now who are, who've been spiritual seekers who are waking up to some of the truths that many of us had our eyes closed to until recently, at least certain ways. I mean, you know, for a long time as an alternative healer, I knew that there was, there was prejudice against it from conventional medicine. And I've had certain things, you know, had certain thoughts about aspects of conventional medicine that we won't get into here, but you know, I had my mind blown open this past year. And I think that we as spiritual seekers have to get comfortable with transitioning from just sort of connecting up to that spiritual realm and and make it all be about light and and feel good energy into bring it down into this dense 3d realm bring that light down like a lightning rod and then speak our truth take action when we're inspired to take action and uh you know that's that's going to be required for us to create the 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 reality we want to create on this planet 100 percent, and i love that lightning rod aspect because it it just brings the knowing of fierce love it's time to really it's time to really bring out all the different aspects of love yeah oh gosh that's fun um it's really it really is awesome and encouraging to hear the the motivation and drive you have towards this truth and helping others see it despite the adversity and especially again like Fellow Washingtonian, I understand the experience, especially out here. It's been so it's been so toxic just to say anything outside the norm. It's like, sorry. yes, oh, and I'm it's sorry. like, and 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 what used to be my my local community. I mean, I've had a like more of a global community for a long time, and in some ways, but um, the local community, it's like, oh, lost another one. Oh, you're like, you know, like they 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 bought. They, they drank the Kool-Aid, you know, oh my gosh, you know, and, and um, yeah, it's, it, it's really disturbing, I think. And when mm. I find myself admiring places like Texas, which is a, you know, which, you know, I've got roots in myself, but I, you know, it's not a place I've been drawn to. And it's like, oh, wow, that like eyes wide open and freedom sounds mighty good right now, you know. But I also know that we need to bring that light of truth within this locale. Um, it's it's a it's a very powerful energetic place that we live in. That um, and and so I I know that although I'm tempted to flee, um, it's <laughs> it, there's actually real purpose in why I'm here. Yeah, hundred percent. I love that though. Yeah, the temptation's been real. I'll leave that. But <laughs> well, and again, it's. I think what you said is the perfect word to express it. And it's 
it's been disturbing how attached people become to these beliefs and these emotions. And again, it's really the biggest component that I've seen has really been a manipulation of fear. And it's just having that power to question it, having that power to embrace it and understand that it's, a, it's just another aspect, as you were mentioning earlier, where it's, we have to kind of look at that. It's yeah. something within us that's showing us something. And that's the kind of thing where it's, you know, if you embrace the fear and accept it, then you run down that rabbit hole of, yes, master, whatever you say, I'll do this and this, I'll join the ritual. And if you really question and be like, well, why am I fearing this? What is the ultimate goal here? Yeah. Then it becomes that transformative energy. And, and Peter, I think that we have to be really self-aware about the fear, not just for our own fear, because sometimes what where people have gone is, no, I'm being a responsible citizen. I don't want to kill grandma. Um, I care about my communi- community, therefore I'm going to do this. That's actually a version of fear as well. So Ooh, yeah. we have to pay attention to making choices based on any fear. You know, they may translate it into the word concern, but again, it's it's based on fear that we've been fed. And is that really in alignment with love? You know, it gets twisted into love. And when you take a look at, you go down some of those rabbit holes of how the propaganda, the, the manipulation of the public's perception um, has been studied in great detail in in some big universities being funded by the government in order to control people's perceptions that the the fear has been twisted around so that if you don't really have fear for yourself, then you better be afraid for somebody else. Mm. And that's toxic too. Yeah. Well, it's, it's been very interesting just to see how fear has been turned into a virtue in which if you are now not living and acting in the fear, you are somehow inhumane. You are somehow an enemy. And it's just, it's very brazen with how gross it's gotten in terms of people's manifestations and lashing out that it's just kind of fascinating that it's like, you still you still haven't figured it out yet, huh? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, and that's so eloquently said, so eloquently said. And yeah, and, 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 to have to let go of her attachment to being treated sensibly, reasonably by these people too. And to face the fact that on some levels we are separating from them and that separateness, it's like this balancing act between unity consciousness and separation by energetic direction that we, we really have to balance out. Yeah. I like that. That's very interesting. And it's funny because there's now people that I have in my life who have gotten the jab, who are now reaching out to me because I'm always just, I'm just going to post it. I've been censored on so many social media platforms, but it's, I just keep doing it where it just, they're now messaging me. They're getting like texting, calling, and they're legitimately concerned now. And I think that's the, the most heartbreaking aspect where it's like, where was that drive before? before you decided to do it where you know i guess it just comes back to the lessons of we just we can only learn through experience it's the highest form of knowing right so but oh and i think that's one of the cool things about this uh i really do i'm gonna research reconnective healing because that's just like oh yeah i got this now this is interesting but but, because i guess this is the new realm of change and transformation that we're and and it's really an approach to healing that's very powerful um but also understand that there's 
within the context of being a practitioner, there's a lot of control and there's a lot of things that are very valuable that they feel are inappropriate um, from homeopathic, you know, um, solutions to, you know, other types of energy healing. But it is a very powerful and profound way to approach interacting with anybody, including with, with, you know, facing ourselves and interacting energetically with ourselves uh, as well as other people. So it's, it's, it's quite valuable, but I just want to, you know, say that there are aspects of it that um, no longer resonate with me. The, the approach to healing absolutely does, but there are aspects of the organization that do not. Oh, I, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I'm, and I think that's one of the things where it's, this is a time where if people haven't yet, you got to use your own discernment yeah. where it's, so it's always listen to what your, your heart is telling you in the sense of the, connections you know take everything with a grain of salt learn what you can to, to make it your own and i think that's the most powerful like the important and empowering component about everything that we're learning here and it's that you're meant to give your gift to the world mm-hmm. it's your gift it's no one else's not my gift not your gift mm-hmm. not anybody's gift but your own and this is the time where it's like each unique light can truly shine mm-hmm. and fully illuminate everything so i guess the one thing that i'm really kind of inclined to ask you in this changing of perspective, how does one handle the turmoil of dealing with the grief and the loss of these belief systems breaking? You know, what are these words of advice for people who have, are forcibly experiencing this now is how can they really transform that suffering into strength, that pain into power? You know, I think that the first thing we have to do when, when facing the grief is to let the grief lead us to not try to get through the grief because that is attachment. Um, to embrace what is, uh, you know, I personally faced a whole lot of grief, gosh, October, November of this past year for a variety of reasons. It, there were a lot of things coming up and I felt like it was cleansing my heart chakra essentially. And when you think about our manifestation engine is the heart, right? The energy of the heart chakra. We need that to be as clear as possible. It's kind of like if there's, there are clogs there and the clogs there are there in the form of grief. Um, it prevents us from like, it's kind of like merging up onto the freeway. If you've got clogged spark plugs, it's going to sputter. You're not going to move really fast. But if you've got clearer spark plugs, you know, whew, you're just going to whoosh up to you know high speed and be able to merge really well, really fast. Um, so it's clearing out the heart. So embracing the grief mm-hmm. because it's there, trusting in it. Um, yes, letting it consume you if that's what it does, but have some support through the process. Um, and, and understand that it's only when you get to the other side and you can't know when that's going to be that you've really tapped into the power of co-creating in a bigger way. I love that. I love that. It's, mm, yeah, that resonates. And it's, it's funny because that is definitely the experience of a lot of people who have received these things and now are questioning their decisions where it's this acceptance, you know, and we really do have to embrace what is on all wave wavelengths and fronts and energies we receive because mm-hmm. it's going to keep building. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think it pays to go down some of these rabbit holes, for instance, um, you know, on Telegram and on, on the Academy of Divine Knowledge that I've, you know, my, 
my censored interview is going to be up there in July. It's, but I've done presented some some things up there as well. Um, the uncensored places are really good places to go down those rational based rabbit holes and learn some of the things, including what some of these virologists, researchers, and doctors are saying may be helpful in dealing with the the after effects, the side effects, the unwanted effects of the jab. Um, so make sure you you avail yourself to this information because you're not going to find it on Facebook. You're not going to find it on on yes. Twitter. You're not going to find it on on YouTube for very long, typically, unless we're we're sort of like yeah, skating around it here or there. Just understand that it's so censored because it is so powerfully true that you're going to have to look elsewhere to get that information. But that information is going to become very important. Oh, yeah. And it's going to be the, almost as I see it, and it's just this kind of vibe that I get from it, where this and the remedies that are going to be used and have been suggested by other physicians and virologists, it's kind of bringing back that bridge to the ancient knowledge. Mm -hmm. And I find that that's always a fascinating thing where, you know, it's bringing us back to the Ayurvedic medicine, it's bringing us back to all these different components of natural healing, really utilizing our own energy as that source and generator of creation we are to really manifest and change our own inner space, yeah. you know, to uplift this dense light body. Yeah. And, and when you're energetically and intuitively um, connected, when you get exposed to like information about a, a certain supplement or whatever, you'll know whether, you know, regardless of whether they say this is what you should do, you'll know whether you're supposed to take it or not. Like you'll, oh, that's in alignment with my body. My, you know, I, I can feel vibrationally that that is something that I need. And that same thing is true for people who are choosing not to go that path because first of all, we have to keep our immune systems up in general. And secondly, interacting with those who have that energy coming off of them um, which, you know, some say was by design, uh, whether you believe in that or not, it is what it is, and we're getting right. exposed to it. So, you know, you can either choose not to interact with those people. And for me, I'm like, I'm trusting that people I love, I will hug. Um, and in terms of interacting with others, I will do what I need to do to get through my day. And if it feels right, I will, I will do it, including hugging. But I'm also trusting my gut when it says stand farther back or, you know, create a, a sort of a vibrational shield right now because it's needed. Um, and sometimes after interacting with certain people, I feel like the need for certain supplements and certain, certain energy work. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I resonate with that entirely. I mean, I've, since my experience of dealing with it, there's been some changes to my routine where it's, but yeah. it's, but again, it just comes to that personal protection. It comes to understanding the things you're going to have to, you're going to be exposed to. And that is probably one of the the most important things now I feel this is also revealing is that people need to take their health and, you know, on all wavelengths and forms and components into their own hands that, you know, and we kind of always should have been doing that, but yeah. sometimes it takes a pandemic to get that yeah. <laughs> forced upon people's forefront. And, and I think it's also helpful to know that, you know, I mean, thinking in terms of the stuff that's come out of the skies, the stuff that comes out of the needles, the, you know, the stuff that's in some of the foods. I mean, it's by design or not, a lot of it's toxic. And even if there are people who wish us 
you know, to be ill or die or, or be financially connected, you know, to their system forever. We have to understand that with that negative energy, that control comes this realization that they wouldn't have to jump through these hoops if they were so all powerful and that we have a whole lot of power. And as long as we stay in alignment and recognize that not only are we worthy, but we are powerful beings that Mm. we can shift this planet. So quick too, because the power of manifestation, once your heart is to it, it just, if you're aware of it, the life instantly starts to have these things gravitate towards you, these networks, these connections, these pathways. So I think that's, I'm so hopeful you know, and it's not just through this conversation. It's just this, although it has definitely added some strikes to the to the, to the hopium aspects to it, but it's just this knowing of we are immensely powerful gods and goddesses of creation. We truly are tapping into this opportunity to awaken fully to the power of mass consciousness, aligning itself with a certain truth, with prog- with progress, with really disclosure, with everything that's going to start getting revealed to us. This is what everyone's heart setting themselves to. And I like how you put that. The fact that they're having to jump through all these hoops means that it's already loosened quickly too. Yeah. And we don't need the whole population to be light workers to change it too, because that's how powerful we are. Small percentage will do it. Yeah. You know what? I think that's when people try to quantify it. It's like, yeah, it's always tough when you got billions of people, but it's a lot less than we think with all the, I mean, this is where it comes back to the scientific aspect where the quantitative data on meditation experience on experiments is so profound where a few hundred people, a few dozen people. And obviously when it gets to the thousands, it's pretty intense, but the fact of being able to have peace treaties manifest Mm -hmm. that crime drops to levels where it should never drop, you know, like there is so much stuff that we still haven't tapped into where I'm really excited just to see What's next? <laughs> and and I think of it as kind of like the hundredth monkey. And the hundredth monkey, that's <laughs> like consciousness turned into behavior. But um, without going into deep into this rabbit hole, I think of things as we have vibrational patterns, each of us. And they're vibrational patterns of the earth. And she is desperately wanting to change to this illuminated, loving place um, where nature is respected and we live in balance. Um, but... I feel like if enough of us shift our vibrational patterns, then it's kind of like it, it's the hundredth monkey kind of thing. Then it, it begins to shift the patterns of many, which shifts consciousness, which shifts behavior and ultimately shifts the planet. But it's a, it's funny because there's just that subtle vibrational shift from even walking around without one of these mm-hmm. and smiling at people. Yeah. I have noticed such a profound release, even just energetically, or people just wanting to talk and engage more. And whether it's the confidence some of them have with this or not, I mean, mm-hmm. most of them still wear their stuff. Mm-hmm. But I've just found that even just being more open and loving and completely dismissing the narratives of what's getting projected upon us has mm-hmm. been so powerful for those just in the sphere of influence. Yeah. That it's really inspiring just to know that like, oh yeah, like one spark can create a wildfire of change. Yeah. And it, it, it's, um, it teaches people that they don't need to be afraid. If we're not afraid, mm. they don't need to be afraid. Mm. Mm. I love that. Now I'm very, 
inspired to ask you, are there any other experiments that you've been a part of that have kind of showed the powerful impacts that these esoteric practices have revealed? Well, well, first of all, um, I've been a subject of a whole bunch of different experiments from um, (laughs) um, shifting extremely low frequency vibration to um, healing damaged DNA in this big machine to looking at how it affects the the light in people's energy field or self-healing, how it affects the energy field. And there was one situation, um, I've been meaning to do a YouTube video about this because I think it's, it's, this is a really important thing. When I was first a subject of scientific research for, with um, Konstantin Karatkov, he's this energy medicine researcher from uh, uh, Russia, St. Petersburg University, although I know that they've changed the, the name of the university. I don't remember what what it's called, but he had this device at the time. It was, you had to put like your one fingertip at a time and it would measure the the electrophotons and it would translate that into the aura. The the biofield is what scientists call that. And I knew that there were devices that could actually measure the light and and they were much more expensive devices and people could go into them or put your hand in them. But this is one where I was going to be evaluated and they wanted me to turn my hands off, which as a healer, you're never fully off, but then turn your hands on. So really engage with the healing energy, but they want to see the before and after. So mm. I'm thinking, okay, former research statistician, I'm a bit skeptical of the technology, you know, but I'll, I'll go play because it's interesting. And so I saw my before and after my before my energy field was a little thinner. There was one area sort of to the the outside of of one of my thighs, my right thigh, where it was like this big gaping hole. And my chakras were, you know, somewhat small, not all of them centrally located. And then after, when I had my hands were on, my energy field got to be much bigger. That big hole in my hip area had filled in. Uh, My, you know, my various chakras were much larger, much rounder, all centrally located. And I thought, well, that's interesting. But what was really going on with my hip there, the side of my thigh? Like, that doesn't make sense. And then afterwards, I realized, oh, I had cargo pants on. There was a cargo pants pocket on where I had slipped my cell phone. And so the before with my hands turned off, the cell phone was creating this big gaping hole in my vibrational field. And when my hands were turned on, it had filled it in. But and I thought, well, okay. So it kind of convinced me, maybe there's something to this technology. And there are a lot of practitioners around the world who use this technology now. But And it's got to be more sophisticated. I think you only have to put two thumbs in and that's it. But um, you can actually diagnose somebody based on the mapping that they create of what exactly is going on with the, the person's health. Um, but it also taught me that, you know, there all these spiritual teachers have said, we can shift our vibration, you know, okay, so they bring in the this many G, I won't say it because maybe that's going to get flagged too. Um, and <laughs> it, you know, has its detrimental effects. And I'm thinking, yeah. if by, you know, this is like a decade ago where I shifted my vibration just by sort of being on and being connected to the the energy field and the light fills in my, you know, the gaping hole that my mobile phone created. Well, maybe if we're conscious enough and, and focus on interacting with the light and, and being present with what is, that um, we can mitigate some of that energy. Yeah, 100%. And the DNA aspect too, like just the, it's, to me, it really resonates because I've 
this past, I'd probably say like two and a half years, I've become more sensitive to like the EMF frequencies, whatever you want to call it. And my phone used to never connect to like the 5G that is like in the router. Uh-huh. And randomly it would start to connect to it, to that part of the modem. It would just be like the same name with like a 103 on it. And I used to be able to really feel it like in almost instantaneously in my hand where it would start yeah. to like my energy would start to feel like tingly and kind of like numb after a little bit. And I would experience it with the GPS thing, the same concept where I go into a client, forgot it in my pocket, forgot I had the GPS on getting to their place. And then like, I'm like five minutes in, I'm like, oh, my side like really hurts. And I was just like, oh, my phone, turn it off. And it's funny because I don't feel it when I meditate. And there's a, it's a different thing when I like allow myself to be grounded and centered where it is activating that light, as you say, where it does mitigate, it does mitigate things. You know, this is coming from someone who's EMF sensitive, who understands, who feels that like, yeah, it, it really is powerful what we ourselves can do. And that's the component of mind over matter, where once we really start to tap into the abilities we have, I mean, that's like textbook superhuman. You know, in terms of the powers of creation and healing that we're really able and the potential that we have within us. It's fascinating stuff. It is. It is. And (laughs) we are electromagnetic beings and there are ways of affecting both the electrical part of ourselves and the magnetic part of ourselves. And the um, connecting with the earth can help with both. Uh, Connecting with the higher frequency vibrational realm of healing of, you know, through meditation through consciousness of you know being connected to the quantum field can affect both, um, mm. but it's there are things in place that are meant to mess with our magnetism. They're meant to mess with our, the electrical part of our system, um, either you know, and and they they do. And some of them I think are by design, and some of them are just sort of like, well, it just happens because of technology. And you know, if we want the high tech, then we end up having some of these bad side effects. And see, that's the kind of the the issue is, you know, it's very much so the path of the Borg, you know, union with technology versus the spiritual unfoldment where we no longer need technologies because we recognize everything we really want, we have within us. And it comes back to that point of the, the kind of poisoning and the toxicity that we're experiencing from every aspect of our environment, where I don't know if you've seen it recently, where there's now all this building evidence for the different pharmaceutical drugs that they are putting in animals for the food, where it's now they're actually becoming magnetized with their, whatever nanoparticles they're using. But Mm. it's fascinating seeing just like regular spoons and things just like literally sticking to like a package of chicken or beef. I know, I know. And the thing is, it's not just through the foods or through the jabs. It's also um, through the air. Um, They're, you know, I've, I've, heard some interesting interviews about that and how these can end up mm. inside of us. So it's, um, yeah, it's a matter of, of being very conscientious about what we put into ourselves and food is part of that. Water's another part belief and, and uh, you know, the, the energetics that we invite into ourselves. I love it. I love it. So I don't know, like just to kind of clarify, because I don't know if the, the, some of the listeners where their mind goes to, this is water in my copper cup, by the way, folks, <laughs> this is it, like a Moscow meal. I'm so ready to do any of that stuff, but um, it's <laughs> well, one I, of the I'm things. I'm a two-fist drinker. I've got water here and I've got leftover coffee here. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Well, one of the experiments that I've been doing and 
I kind of do a little blind placebo test for people just so like there's no, you know, it's double blind randomized controlled study here that I do in my household where I'll give someone a little glass of just regular like distilled water or filtered water and I'll just have them taste it. And then I'll just be like, oh, before you go, do you want to have some water? And then I'm like, like, oh, yeah, sure. And then I have them drink it out like my copper cup. I have my own ritual with my water and they always like 10 of a 10 first sip, just like they look at it and they go this water it tastes so good what's in it I'm like it's just water and they're like no like what do you do so like I've been trying to teach people some of like my practices with it and you know I have some of the and this is again another one of those components but if you think about it energetically it all lines up with everything we've been talking about but I have a few different crystals that I have placed in a glass jar a glass pitcher you could say um uh, that I've you know done different work with in the moons and all that I put it outside let it charge in the sun and then so I've done experiments personally with this where that already changes the water. It changes the nature of the water. It changes the texture of the water. Um, it becomes very revitalizing. But the wildest stuff is when I actually pray and speak to the water and evoke, you know, the golden energy of healing and empowerment and love. And, you know, just tell the water I love it and all these different components where it tastes like a nectar. It becomes sweeter. It's it's a... Uh, the best adjective I've heard to describe it is it's silky. Mm-hmm. It just, it has a weight to it. And it's, and even in that where I used to drink like, you know, 64 ounces a day, you know, just random with how much I talk and all the other things I do for work. I'm just always drinking water. Mm-hmm. And I've found that since I started doing this method, three or four cups completely revitalize and, and com- it's been, yeah. So I'm like, this is my thing where it's like, we're just getting into the, the power of, intuiting and manifesting, creating, and really harnessing our power energetically to transmute different things of our lives. Right. So it's like, oh, oh, I love it. I implore everyone to try it out. Just blow your own mind. <laughs> yeah. And the with Reconnective Healing, one of the experiments was affecting the pH of water, uh, as well as imprinting um, psychic information in water and people were able to pick up what the information was, you know, statistically significant. So yeah, there's so much. And one of the things that you say that water was silky, that brings to mind about Dr. Gerald Pollack's um, fourth phase of water. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. Is that the vulcanization of water, that aspect? It's, it's, it's basically what they call um, exclusion zone water or gel water. The only type of water that our bodies can actually process are um, is gel water. It's it's like this mm-hmm. where the positive and negative ions kind of separate, and it creates like a a different version of water. And fruits and vegetables have that type of of water in them, so when we ingest those, it automatically is processed that way. But our when we drink water, most of the quality water is is pretty low, and you know when it comes out of a faucet, and so. Um, we need certain things to trans to 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 change it into yeah. this form of water, and um, infrared light is one of those things that can do it. There's there's mm. certain so like having it out in the sun. I mean that's a that's a good thing to do. Um, the energy that we can interact with the water. I mean water, you know, it's it's alive in, in its own yeah. way, and and we can affect it. So it makes me wonder when you're saying silky water, it makes me wonder, oh, maybe you're turning it into gel water. That's, that's much more usable by the body. I'd love to get it tested, you know, mm-hmm. cause yeah. the, uh, 
there was this, um, I'm trying to remember the name, I can't remember the name of who I heard it from. It was a scientist and another kind of like mystic, but they were talking about like the, they would replicate water being essentially going through the process from a mountain down a waterfall. And that was the same type of aspect where there was like, it changes the texture. You know, they find that they only have to, and I think they call it vulcanization, but it, it sounds exactly like what you're talking about in this sense, but um, where they're, in a, they're amplifying the properties of water. And they found that you only had to, I think use 10% of what you would for an entire crop and it would grow more, you know? So this is where, this is where we get into that fun realm of really being able to make the woo reality, you know, of really harnessing this ability of the energetic components of our own creative forces to uplift everything from the food, from what we really consume. And it starts to now that I think about it, it really just comes back into a lot of different, like, you know, ET experiences that people have talked about mm-hmm. when they've had different encounters where they talk about how they eat, how, like, how their food sources go. And it, it sounds really similar to a lot of this stuff huh. where it's like, you know, essentially enhanced water, the, the nutrients in their food are amplified, mm-hmm. you know, so they don't eat as much. And it's just, it starts to blow my mind. <laughs> I love it. But and I think the biggest testament is just to go to show what's actually getting done to our food is, I mean, I have like four planters of strawberries and, you know, they've been just fruit and just delicious fruits. And it just is so much different of a texture of a flavor of an aroma. It's just, everything has just changed. They're juicier. And mm. it always kind of concerns me. It's like, what is going into our food? Yeah. And is it, you know, is it just from the farming practice or is it coming from the skies? Is it, you know, the, the residual effect of pharmaceutical drugs in the water? Or is it, you know, being affected, on, you know, for some reason? And, and of course, things like fluoride, which are, you know, it's very toxic. Um, what effect does that have on the plants, you know, and the food that we eat from those plants? Well, and that's something that went under the radar of this whole lockdown situation is that federal fluoride trial where, you know, it was revealed that the FDA and the USDA knew and were threatening scientists that, yeah, it passes the blood brain barrier. It's another checkbox on the on the list of things that most people have been aware of, you know, uh, and just like the fetal development and how much it impacts it. So it's yeah. very curious. And, you know, it was it was John Brennan. And I'm, I want to say this was like in 2016. It was one of his last like real big speeches before he had left his cabinet position. And he's talking about different technologies. And he's like, you know, there's something that's really, we've been using it for a while. And I just absolutely love it. But atmospheric aerosol injections, that was another one checking that off the box yeah. of everything in terms of the toxicity. So I think everything in terms of where this kind of this rabbit hole that we <laughs> jumped into is it just goes to show the importance even more than ever to recognize the odds are against us in a lot of ways, but we can really harness and take back our health mm-hmm. and our power, but it starts from here first. It does. It does. And with that, thank you for tapping in, Christine. Any last words for the listeners? Oh gosh. I think that it's really important that we um, focus on the moment. And I know that's a cliche, but on an energetic level and on a conscious level. And it goes beyond mindfulness in the usual way. I think it has to do with um, kind of being aware of the energetics, the energetics of people, the energetics Mm. of nature, the energetics of the space, how our energetics are interacting with others. And so when you 
go into that sort of energetic version of mindfulness, it can it can illuminate a lot for us and help us um, with you know choosing direction in our journey. Ooh, ooh, I love it. I love it. And with that, thank you for listening. Be sure to tune in next week. Roll the outro. That concludes this episode of Creatives Chat. Thank you for watching. Join us every Thursday at 3.33 p.m. Pacific Daily Time as creative minds get together and chat about who knows what. View more episodes on our YouTube channel. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Thanks again to our sponsors for making this show possible. Thank you, We Are Storically, for your conscious human apparel. Shop online at wearehistorically.com. Hi, I'm Darius Wilrich. I'll teach you everything you need to know about playing jazz piano like a pro with my 12-week online video course and downloadable guidebook, Jazz Piano Pro Essentials. Enroll today at jazzpianopro.com. Thank you for joining us. Have a happy always. I love it, Christine. Yeah, I love stuff. it. I love it. Great it's, conversation. It's, oh, I love it. No, I have no idea how long that was, but I know my battery was going on my phone. <laughs>